Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, if I asked you right now to find something in your house. Yes. Or your basement. Yes. Or your garage. Got it. Would you be able to do that with these? Mm, maybe. Kind of. I got kids running around that like to put things I was just in random say, spots that I don't know where they what are. What if your kids are getting all of it? Yeah, no. Can then I got zero chance. Can you assure me that something you bought four or five years ago and haven't touched since then still works? <laughs> no. I can definitely not assure you Can you that. assure me if you dug out your Christmas decorations right now that they would all work if you plugged them in? Absolutely not. I wouldn't even know exactly where they all are, to believe it or not. Okay. Where are you going with this? Well, because the topic today is <laughs> asset management. Ah, okay. And granted... Asset management for our customers and their customers right. is a much bigger, broader thing than yes. just wear stuff out in your house. But think about how hard it is for us to find our stuff and keep track of it all and identify it all. Well, 100%. it's a lot more important for companies that have assets that you know are valued in the thousands or hundreds of thousands of or dollars. Or millions, yeah. yes. Yeah. They need to be able to know where those are, Yep. For one. Yep. They need to be able to know that they're in working order. Yep. Uh, when the last time they were serviced, for instance. Yeah. Uh, and to make sure that they're all, you know, in, in because, you know, you've... Let's say, I don't know, let's say you're in, in industry and you mm -hmm. have a heavy machine that you need to use from time oh, to yeah, time. Right. Maybe you don't use it a lot. Mm -hmm. And the next time you're, one of your people goes to use it, it's just not working anymore. Mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. the battery's dead or something is wrong with it that never got repaired and should have. Imagine how much money you're losing from not being able to use that machine for a day or two or more. We don't have time for that. We got to no. keep things going. That's right. Absolutely. So today we've got uh, Shrikant Nistane from Crave Infotech. He's yes. going to talk to us a little bit about asset management on that broader sense yep. and, and how yep. important it is. It's one of those conversations I think sometimes people just take for granted about what asset management means. Mm -hmm. So we're going to dive into the difference for one thing, the big difference between asset and inventory management, because mm -hmm. there are two very distinct and different Absolutely. things. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the way asset management has changed over time and the way we think about it and why it's so important to take a more proactive approach approach mm -hmm, to it instead mm -hmm. of just, oh, well, this thing isn't working, so I guess we got to get it fixed. Uh, we're going to talk about what assets are probably getting or what enterprises may be getting wrong about asset management right now, and they shouldn't be. And we'll talk through a couple industries that can benefit from this kind of technology that maybe don't normally think about it. You know, mm -hmm. Again, we, you know, we're talking about like warehousing, yeah, distribution, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. manufacturing. We know those people need asset management, but there might be a There's couple others. other industries oh, yeah. that do too. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and we'll also let him talk a little bit about how Crave approaches this differently yeah, as yeah. well. Good so, stuff. All that plus our usual value to the VAR and what's tech connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, as I mentioned, our guest today, Shrikant Nistane, he is the founder and solution architect for Crave Infotech. I love lately we've had a string of people who are the actual, like, yes, they're right. the people founders. who are there at the beginning. Absolutely. The co-founders, co I love it. These are uh, the subject matter experts that matter, right? Exactly, because clearly <laughs> they're smarter than we ever will be. <laughs> <laughs> have you found a company recently? Uh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vi, yeah, so. yeah. Unless you count this podcast. And that's there you not, go. I yeah, don't. So, yeah, right. so Shrikant, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your experience kind of in the industry, and, and what led you to found uh, Crave? Yeah, thank you. Nice meeting you both. And I always enjoyed conversation with you guys. Uh, I think we had a few in the past. Yeah. Um, I am Shrikant Nistane. I'm located in central Jersey. And uh, I'm uh, what 
director pointed me to found this organization. So I I'm into SAP space uh, and into the maintenance. So I I'm a engineering by trade, and then I started working with uh, chemical petrochemical complexes in my early life, and of course uh, the obvious was the maintenance team. I learned few trades those days, um, maintenance software, optimization software, and I started to like it. Then uh, I got involved into SAP around 95, 96, and never had to do anything else. <laughs> so um, around 2007, I did my MBA, and uh, I realized that before that, uh, we used to do a lot of same stuff again and again for every client. Uh, so I, I was involved in mobility, I think, from 2005 on, sorry, 1997-98 onwards. And we used to do the same kind of uh, activities again and again for the customers. So I said, what about we find out what, what is repeating? And we uh, make that repeatable so that we don't have to go into the room and try to find out what they want and create the same powerpoints and all that stuff so that's where crave infotech was started and we basically um, identified five or six applications where there is a reputation one of them is asset management and uh, uh, inventory manager management manager or uh, we also call it warehouse management so those were the two key areas where we found out that there is a reputation and then we tried to create that as uh, prepackaged solutions where we, our experience indicates that we meet between 60 to 90% of our customer requirements. Mm-hmm. And then remaining, we do it through configuration or customization depending upon the individual needs of the customer. So that's how Craven Product started. And then we grew into different areas. Uh, so the first was uh, enterprise asset management, then supply chain, uh, direct store delivery or proof of delivery, um, warehouse management, supplier connect, vendor connect, uh, production management side. So we had then uh, basically expanded into different areas because then customers started asking us, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And, and it just expanded the portfolio. So now today we have around 50 IPs in different areas, uh, which we were able to create to help our customers. But top one is definitely asset management. Awesome. We got the right person here. Absolutely. And, uh, and I love also because we, we just had a podcast a few weeks back with James Corey about yep. uh, demand and how mm-hmm. to create demand with your customers. And mm-hmm. I like the idea that your reason for getting into this was that you found that your customers were doing the same things over and over and over again. And a big part of that conversation was helping people realize that the status quo, that you just keep doing it over and over right. because you think that's what you're supposed to be doing, doesn't yep. have to be that way. There no, can be right. better ways to do it. Absolutely. And when you, as a you know salesperson or a marketing person, identify that, gives you a leg up when you can go and talk to them and say, hey, this what you're doing, I know you think it's just fine the way it is, but mm-hmm. you're probably missing out on some things because of it, and we are, yeah. and we can help you out. And to and to Shrikan's, uh, you know, obviously the way they've grown their company, they're up to 50 IP now. So yeah. they have 50 different products that, that has manifested itself over the last, whatever, 23 some odd years. So, yeah. yep, there you go. All right, well, hey, then let's get into this asset management conversation. You know, in particular, I wanted to talk about some new approaches to the way we think about this, smarter technology to, to make it happen. 
And again, I think the kind of the starting point is, I think a lot of people, when they think of asset management, equate it with inventory, inventory. management. Inventory, yeah. You know, an asset is a thing, and I'm just trying to keep track of where it's at. Mm-hmm. I, you know, where it, where, where it is in my facility or who's using it now. And, and I know that's a part of it, but asset management is about much more than that, at least modern asset management is. So, Shrikant, can you explain the difference to us a little bit more and why modern asset management is an entirely different thing from just knowing where your stuff is? Great question. Uh, so people do use this term interchangeably, and I'm going to go into the even the details within the asset management, how it is used differently. So let's first talk about asset and inventory. So the way the definition, by definition, inventory is within the warehouse, and the asset is within the plant. Asset is something which is operational, which is used in producing something, uh, which is in production environment. That's asset. Uh, inventory is something which is used to keep the assets running. They lie in the warehouse. So that's that's kind of a layman uh, English definition between asset and inventory. Of course, inventory you need to keep uh, uh, record of inventory because you want to make sure whenever you need it to keep the assets moving, uh, you have that inventory available. Also, inventory has a lot of financial implication because you want to always make sure you're CFO um, wants to know what's my inventory because that's the cost of capital. Uh, you are sitting on that. That goes into the balance sheet. So they want to know very accurately where the inventory is. So operations and the financial, they both want to know where the inventory is. Similarly, uh, the operations and uh, so there are different uh, challenges to this. One is availability of the pairs inventory, and second is keeping the assets running mm. for the operations. So operations here is very worried about making sure that there is a higher uptime, lower downtime, and uh, making sure that maintenance and uh, the maintenance and the other people who help them to keep the health of the assets good, they are well equipped uh, and available when they needed. And of course, the financial people are always uh, uh, involved into because for the assets the depreciation comes into picture because you are using the asset so as the life goes they will they they would like to make sure they are capitalized they are depreciated so these are the different constituents who has different roles to play into the asset and inventory management does it answer your question yeah yeah and that starts getting into you know we talk about it all the time about how data information is critical mm-hmm. in the life of <laughs> of a business right. you know so inventory sure that's one thing I, I think a lot of our resellers have that uh, fairly well down you know in essence if they play in that space but when you start getting into asset management i think we're going to start tapping into some fields that maybe a lot of them don't get into but there's some real opportunity here and which is really interesting about crave you know when you get into that whole enterprise asset management management and product life cycle and and what that means on these uh, to these operations lots of opportunity here but but again it's all it, it comes down to data you know mm-hmm. and and how people are getting the data tracking and analyzing the data and stuff like that so yeah, yeah. definitely and i like the point that you mentioned that the uh, 
the financial folks are the ones who are <laughs> really paying attention to this yes. because there's a lot of that bottom line. I mean, I, I took my accounting class. I remember, you know, having to figure out depreciation. And Absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. Never wanted to do it again. Right. You know, that's not, that was never going to be my particular <laughs> job skill or skill set. But I, I get that point And I understand that, like, especially on that asset side of things, it means a whole different thing than just, sure, the stuff you create that you're making and selling or whatever, that's very important, obviously. That's, yeah. you know, that's, that's your profits for your company. Yeah. But man, you know, keeping, keeping track of those assets that you're using on a daily basis and making sure that, because if your asset that makes this thing that you need to sell in order to make money is for any reason not working for any amount of time, uh-huh. then all that other steps in that chain are out the window and suddenly those those margins are dropping pretty damn quickly yep. after that. Yep, so. yep. And a little bit of a tweak on what Shurkan said, because you know, I, I also, in my mind, I also put into here some things that are maybe outside of the plant, but still assets that need to be managed. Right. I mean, as you know, John, we work with a lot of companies that are into, um, you know, so law enforcement and tracking those mm-hmm. assets. Mm-hmm. You know, that's stuff that's high value. Anything that's high value, a lot of times, it starts creeping into this world where hey we need to maintain that we need to know where it is what the condition of that you know is you know right, uh, right. whether it's in law enforcement or whether it's in field service or stuff like that so there's even some creep happening you know outside of the plant i would uh, right. i'll say with enterprise asset management yep. yeah but go ahead well then that's kind of the perfect segue into you know where this new approach and this smarter mm-hmm. idea behind asset management comes in. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a great uh, graphic and kind of ex- explainer about this on uh, Crave's website for asset management. They talk about, you talk about the, the maturity curve mm-hmm. and it goes from reactive to preventative to condition-based and predictive. Can you quickly explain those steps to us and kind of what that means and, and, sure, sure. and kind of how we've come to think I'm about glad. asset management from no longer being reactive, but actually getting predictive, which is one of our favorite words. I'm glad uh, you got hold of that particular uh, model. So uh, before I get into the model, I want to talk a little bit more about these assets, right? So there are what the example I gave before is mainly the manufacturing assets, but there are many assets. There are nowadays there are IT assets, right? And there are movable assets, organizations who use vehicles. Uh, those are assets too because they are used for uh, the whole production or value chain of end-to-end value chain of manufacturing. So there is a manuf- there is a production within the four wall, and there are things happen outside the four wall. There are IT assets, and people wants to maintain them differently. Now coming to uh, the maturity curve, yes, we again this is another thing, and this is our recent identification. Is we started talking to customers, and customers are confused. They don't know what to do. They go to the webinar, they read online, and they say, oh, somebody says, you've got to have a predictive maintenance. You've got to do a predictability. And these guys don't know what to do because they are, some of them are still on paper. Some of them have uh, manual processes. They don't know whether the data is correct. And then we started thinking, uh, because they go to these big seminars, they hear to SAP, they hear larger uh, software, and they all talk about what is the best and greatest which is coming. And this guy has another 10 years to get there. And he's like, what the heck am I going to do now? It does, I want to get there, but I don't know how to get there. So we, we basically uh, created this maturity model. So everybody um, always starts from reactive. And, and we believe that uh, there are a lot of organizations, they have moved away from reactive and got into the preventive maintenance space. So preventive is typically based upon your manufacturer, there are always recommendations saying your vehicle should be maintained. 
every 5000 miles 3000 miles or 3 month depends upon the vehicle or if there is a pump this pump should be maintained every 3 months you maintain lube oil you change the bearing depends upon your usage so it can be usage based or it can be time based uh, so those are the two key criteria for maintenance uh, um, of the organization so that gets them into the predict, uh, preventive space now they want to move from preventive to condition based that's a hard part that's a hard part because now you need to know way more than just the time and performance you need to know how it is doing right now real time and that's where the iot comes into picture right you need to start collecting data so there are there are few ways uh, where organizations have achieved this one is uh, first thing is to digitize your data collection process so you you bring in your mobility um, into picture so you are now executing or collecting the data for execution of the work through the mobile applications so that's your step number one but still it's not always it's basically you are what you are doing through mobile mobile enablement is you are basically eliminating the errors uh, at the uh, source you are collecting the data real time but still it is not always and that's where the iot comes into picture uh, but the challenges with iot uh, is it's not easy it's a buzzword uh, you have plant and uh, iot says you replace your measuring devices your temperature gauges pressure gauges level gauges it's not easy it's it's the hardest part so um, it's easier for newer plants or anybody who is going for retrofit but for existing plants it's very difficult it's cost costly uh, it's a downtime and, and and there are so many things involved so uh, that's where people hit the wall and uh, now organizations have started doing this then they started identifying what is most critical for me so if i am looking at a chemical plant petrochemical plant which is my most critical reactor let me look at the pumps and the uh, valves and the gauges for those reactor and let me bring them in for my condition based maintenance so now condition based is i want to get the real time data now that can be two ways you just bring in all the data and do the analysis and the decision making process somewhere else or they call edge processing so you do the processing locally at the source itself and then that will send the details based upon the threshold we set so now you are using lesser bandwidth making more decisions locally uh, and once those trigger comes you are utilizing them uh, to find out what's the condition and uh, how can i use that better and those conditions now goes into the predictive now the predictive is um, predictive is of course the best but the problem is predictive needs good data quality data quality information and you can have there are so many predictive algorithms available but if you don't have quality data it's a garbage in garbage out that prediction has um, less importance or uh, uh, it's not going to be effective so you have to create those stages and create that journey so that when you get to the predictability you have everything what you needed and it works the way it should be so that's how we define this maturity curve now how does this help so we work with our customers we help we we help couple sessions identify where they are and then we start mapping what kind of tools they will need to go from a reactive to the predictive through this journey and 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 give them that comfort that you know what this is the time you are going to need 
And if you do this way, you will be there and successful. That's a real world example of how IoT is being yep. used in the marketplace, right? I mean, you know, you hear a lot about it, but Shrikant's obviously elbows deep right. into dealing with that when you get into the condition base, because you're right, uh, Shrikant, uh, you know, I, I, we know a lot of companies that kind of hover around that reactive preventive and then how do they how do they take it to the next level? So it's good to hear that you, it's a conversation, right? It's a consultation with them. Uh, it's understanding their business. You know, maybe they can't put sensors everywhere throughout the manufacturing process or on every asset that they want to maintain. Maybe it's a conversation about the most critical, mission critical parts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But but still, it's a, it's that conversation. It's a consultation to get there uh, along the way. So, yeah, pretty yeah. neat. You know, I love also that you're focused kind of on, that you're acknowledging this idea of the baby steps, that it's not as simple as just flip a switch we go from just reactive to mm -hmm. to predictive tomorrow like it's it's never that easy <laughs> and there's there's very few businesses or industries that can just do that overnight yeah we we had justin from staylink on over a couple months back we yep. were talking about warehousing and yep. and when we kind of uncover this idea that most warehouses are ridiculously far behind in their yes. technology and their innovation and the biggest part of the reason there is simply that it is not simple to just make those switches overnight. If you're a vital part of a supply chain and you're you're always moving product or creating product, whatever it is, if you turn off for any amount of time to try to update and upgrade mm -hmm. systems, that is valuable time and money that is lost that you that you need to be in operation. So it's not that easy to just make that shift and that pivot overnight. So no. <laughs> I appreciate that you guys look at that and created that idea of like, hey, let's get you from where you are to the next step up and keep moving along. And then again, more importantly, to your point, once you start collecting that data, you can't just, just make a decision overnight of what that's going to do. That again, you've got to have that quality data. You've got to understand what it means to you and to your business before you can actually build some kind of predictive model out of it. So I love and, that And idea. it's got to be quality data. So yeah. Shrikan, are you developing relationships with sensor manufacturers and stuff like that? Uh, because I can imagine almost every use case that you walk into, as you said earlier, maybe your product gets some 60 to 90% of the way there, but there's always that 10 plus percent that's customized. Uh, are you starting to, obviously in the IoT world, you're getting more and more involved in all these different sensors and stuff like that. So what's that looking like for you uh, from your perspective? Excellent question. Uh, so, of course, you know, in the IoT space, uh, there is no standard, one standard. Yeah. It's all communication, right? The data communication. There are many standards. There are a lot of efforts being made to standardize them. Uh, of course, we are not into a space where we uh, develop the connections with the IoT devices because that's that's a whole new uh, world out there. Mm -hmm. But there are organizations uh, who develop those uh, uh, plugins, and uh, we have partnered with them, uh, and they basically provide the integration bus, and then manufacturers uh, integrate with them, and we bring that data into the maintenance world to make sure we use them effectively. Uh, so it's an evolving um, technology, evolving world. Um, there are established, see, we were talking about how the customers has difficulty uh, transforming. The same thing is for the manufacturers. The mm -hmm. large players like Honeywell, Rockwell, uh, and, and these are large players who, and Siemens, they manufacture these devices. They have hard time uh, identifying the right technology because 
they cannot just switch everything. They have 90% customers using the old devices and they just cannot go on new device and say, we are not going to supply you. That just doesn't work. And technology is changing every day. So they are all monitoring this closely, but there are options available now. It has come a long way. There are options available whereby, uh, and we partner with those uh, few organizations. Uh, there are some organizations who have now started to provide like a top-up uh, devices. They go on top of the existing devices, get the data from there. So you have your organ, your uh, uh, existing setup working well, and on top of that, you get something which is going to pull the data and meet your needs. But again, it's a process. It needs to be identified. There can be a disruption into the uh, into the process, and that needs to be factored into when you make those changes. I imagine the partnerships that you're forming, you know, continue to evolve uh, based on that and, and, and the new use cases that come into you. I'm sure it's a fascinating world there. Yeah. yeah Especially when you're confronted with where you were going. And, and this is a statistic off of the Crave Info uh, sex site. 43.9% of facility managers are still tracking using Microsoft Excel, Excel spreadsheets. That's the, that's, yeah. you know, it's like, oh my Lord, that many people are Always still so painful to us. Tracking maintenance. And, and things like that yeah. in Excel. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's 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 tough. That's painful. Uh, tough. So then you know, and obviously that would be one of the things that I'm sure that you see when you work with customers, where you go, oh, okay, yeah. well, let's start <laughs> off by fixing that because if you're still using a spreadsheet or paper and pen in some way, yeah. there's obviously an issue. But you know, what are when you are talking to various enterprises and, and potential customers about their asset management, mm. what are some things that you're typically seeing that they're doing wrong? Where you immediately think, okay. There's definitely a better way you could be approaching this to get smarter about asset management. What do you find there? So one thing is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is their um, assumption about how fast they can move through this maturity curve. That's definitely. Uh, second thing is people do get misled by a lot of information available into the open space these days. Um, everybody wants to get to the 99 yard without running through it. And, and so that's one part. The second part is how they identify uh, or how they calculate or define their ROI calculation because every change has to have some ROI calculation involved. That's what the bin counters are looking for. So sometimes people can get uh, misled or carried away with any changes which has higher uh, benefit from the user experience or uh, faster response uh, than the increase in equipment uptime, reduction in the downtime, increasing range time. I think they need to find out what is most important for them and what's going to give them the most benefit. There can be an application which may not be the best looking, but if it has capabilities to help them to reduce the downtime, increase the equipment uptime, and increase the range time, I think that should be more acceptable. Uh, another thing is, of course, the technology is changing so fast. When you look at the mobility, the Android uh, releases version almost every six months, and after three releases, the earlier version is no longer supported. Uh, so every two years, because you are basically vulnerable to what is going on outside. Uh, B2C is fine, consumer world is fine, but from B2B, 
and especially whatever is going on right now companies are extremely uh, careful of what they are doing so uh, you also need to look at where the technology is going what is best for me there are still people who think that the windows is secure than android which is not true unfortunately the data suggests otherwise and i have seen large organizations which are still thinking that windows is better i think they need to go uh, beyond behind the curtains or come out or come out of the curtains and see um, what's actually right for them so uh, coming to again they need to identify uh, where they are on the maturity curve and and see what kind of tools or change into the uh, process will help them there is one more big uh, differentiator between any other processes and maintenance is if you look at the finance there are standards there are standards which defines how the balance sheet should be defined how the pnl should be defined what is meant by gl account what is meant by cost center there is no standard for maintenance <laughs> there is no standard uh if you have union you have a different standard if you don't have a union you have a different standard uh there is no regulatory body there are only few organization or industries like oil and gas has some regulation chemical has few regulation probably life sciences has a little bit more regulation because they are regulated their cost is regulated and regulators expect them to do certain way but otherwise there is no maintenance standard uh, so people wants to do the way they want what is most suitable for them uh and another thing with the maintenance is the the people who are involved in maintenance are considered typically considered to be less computer savvy uh, and so they need solutions which will help them to bridge this gap at the same time they should be able to do what they need to do and be efficient at keeping these assets healthy at the same time empower them through the digital transformation uh so that they are not bogged down and that balance needs to be um, it's difficult to get that balance right and that's where sometimes organizations fail so change management people understanding uh, organizational needs and what people which people they have and the technology i think it's important to bring this all together at the right stage of the maturity curve yeah that's really good and you know another thing that i'll lump on there is because it's in the maturity is is the predictiveness right uh, i think a lot of companies get that wrong or enterprises get wrong when in the whole assets management cycle if you will it's it's predicting <laughs> the lifetime of a product or the cycle management of that particular product is generally not something that's scrutinized from an analytical standpoint uh, like it can be and then also they don't put business practices around that so you know or configuring the IT and the business information systems around the results of that analysis right i mean having the data is one thing yes we want to make sure it's good data uh, as well but you have to also put in business practices that react to that you know and that's the whole predictive model that i think a lot of companies are obviously are going to be striving towards so lots of good information yeah, there yeah, yeah 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 and i like also the aspect of the idea that there's not much regulation around a lot of this you know right that just it it, it reminds me of just thinking like okay think of like your car mm -hmm. you know the the manufacturer will give you the book and provide all this information yep. about when you should get regularly right. scheduled maintenance yep. but at the end of the day that's on you it is no that's one right. makes you do that right. even though it might not be a bad idea because 
you know, maybe there could be fewer accidents or, Mm -hmm. you know, less gas consumption. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of benefits that could come from if everybody actually got their cars maintenanced on a Mm -hmm. a regular Regular schedule and did what was supposed to be done. Yeah. So, I I mean, I would think that's even more important than in in these particular worlds. Um, Well, Shikant, you you briefly mentioned life sciences, you know, Mm -hmm. and and that there is some regulatory aspects there. And that also kind of brings us into this idea that there are some industries out there that, you know, again, we talk a lot about, you know, heavy industry, manufacturing, warehousing, distribution, supply chain. I think that's the stuff we always tend to think about when it comes to asset management. But there are other industries that can benefit from smarter asset management practices. Two in particular I saw on your site I want you to kind of riff a little bit on is life sciences for one, education is another one. And then let us know, are there any other, you know, any other industries out there do you think could be doing smart, could get smarter with their asset management practices and change their business in some way that they aren't already? So let's talk about these two, uh, uh, these two first. So, of course, life sciences is highly regulated. Uh, it's regulated by FDA. They want them to be maintained in a certain way. And uh, uh, asset health is very important. But this is mostly the plant assets right these are the assets within the plant uh, which help to get the manufacturing right quality right so um, they um, the asset management uh, definitely is very important for them traditionally it is done manually uh, of course the maintenance is done manually but the management is done manually uh, but we have worked with several customers where we have helped them to go through this whole digitization process, so get them into the uh, predictive mode, and they have now started working to become <clears throat> more condition-based. So they are open for uh, uh, implementing some of the IoT-related information. Uh, also, we have, uh, in most of the manufacturing organization has CADA, so either it's a uh, um, distributed control system, or they have uh, SCADA systems, or they have PLCs. And then you can get data from there. So that's where the ITOT uh, challenge comes into picture. And if you can get that data, uh, right information, and use that for right prediction, that also helps a lot. Now, coming to another organization is education. Um, nowadays, education has become becoming more and more asset intensive. Of course, they don't have manufacturing, but uh, because of the um, e-commerce and uh, digitization, every kid has a laptop now. Every teacher has a laptop. So there is a laptop, laptops, uh, then they are using uh, digital equipments into uh, the classrooms. So all of that stuff is bringing in um, asset um, activities within the, orga- within the organization. Now, the education brings in a little bit uh, different type of uh, challenge for them. Uh, because these assets can be moving from one place to another. So teacher or, or one school gets 50 laptops and they have surplus and another school requires those laptops in a school district. You should be able to transfer them from one place to another. Uh, how do we maintain those laptops? How do we replace those laptops? How do we acquire them? So there is a complete life cycle from, from uh, requisition till the retirement. And you need something to manage that effectively. So uh, working with uh, Blue Star, we were able to create a complete end-to-end asset lifecycle management solution for education, for public sector, or whoever has assets uh, which can be utilized effectively 
there is a workflow process whereby one party can request for assets to be transferred or maintained another party can um, accept that uh, requisition so you have complete paper trail uh, proper workflow and then those assets can be transferred from one place to another by internal or external people and there is a sign off process uh, proof of delivery all of that stuff is included into that whole and that of course integrates with any erp you might have now again there are two components right one is the operation side and another is the financial side so we feed it to both of them uh, so if finance wants to make sure that the assets are moved from one financial um, financial uh, entity to another uh, so that the depreciation cost everything is flowed through we help with that uh, process too so uh, these are two another one interesting one is uh, the infrastructure so ports airports we don't think that there are a lot of assets but there are a lot of assets used heavily we look at the airport the escalators the elevators the baggage uh, um, area there are so many assets and they are probably used um more frequently than any other manufacturing industry and those assets need very specialized maintenance because human being is involved into that can you imagine an escalator is failing failing and something goes bad and people lose their legs or arms or something or it's it's it has more um higher cost compared to even the manufacturing and those assets need very specialized maintenance and that's where actually the condition monitoring and the predictive maintenance is is becoming more and more helpful in those assets to predict or oh, this escalator has ran for 18 hour, 80 hours and uh, this is into the heavy duty area this needs more maintenance or the baggage area so um, that is another thing i found very interesting uh, from the asset maintenance perspective Yeah, absolutely. And I'll throw another thing out there, another concept that we're seeing a lot in the industry is anything as a service, right? So you mentioned any of these industries, education, life sciences, airport maintenance, uh, things like that. A lot of companies are becoming as a service type of uh, type of models. And so having an understanding of where of how assets, not inventory, but how assets are managed uh in some of the life cycle and stuff like that, I think it's really important for solution providers to do that. By the way, there might even be some angles here to augment your business by providing that as a service, you know, maintenance as a service to yep. some of these entities too that that where you're just you're providing that monitoring type of service uh for it as well, but really interesting stuff that's happening in this space. Yeah. I agree. You know, I like the education one in particular because I feel like there's a a nice opportunity there based oh, yeah. on what's changed in education just over the last year. Oh yeah. Plus, you know, distance learning became mm-hmm. a, a big thing and great. And I know like we're making every effort to get kids back in school this this particular fall but you know we also know that now that hey uh snow days don't necessarily need to be a thing anymore right. because the kids can take a laptop home yep. with them and get their work done there yep. uh colleges and universities i imagine you're going to see a lot more of them offering distance programs yep. as a way to attract students from across the around mm-hmm. the country not mm-hmm. just the traditional ones that have always been doing it mm-hmm. and again it's a lot of assets then that are going to have to be you know tracked Man. and maintained oh, absolutely those sure. students yeah. so yeah the need is there exactly good one there uh Shikant, let's wrap this up then by talking a little bit more along the way we've talked a lot about what crave does and, and kind of where you fit in to uh to asset management but is there anything else you want to add about how you approach asset management differently than than other companies or the way you know we kind of talked about it earlier you can go google asset management and yeah. find 
billions of different, you know, <laughs> companies that are out there that want to offer you their ideas for Asset it. Asset management. Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the heavy air quotes, air quotes there, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, tell us what you do differently because you guys are obviously kind of at the top of the game when it comes to this. Yeah, so I think I, I alluded to in to the earlier conversation a uh, few times. Uh, how we approach differently is we have created this asset uh, management maturity curve, and that maturity curve helps us to uh, have meaningful conversation with our customers and help them to identify where they are. It's very important to have a realization of where they are because a lot of times customers don't know where they are. They think they are doing good, but once you start looking out or somebody thinks there is a lot of opportunity to do more and they might be at the top of the game. It's very important for them uh, to help them to realize where they are and then identifying the right tools for them to take them to the next level. So those two, I think, from the realization and mapping where they need to be and how they can go to the next level. Second is uh, we are not only serving to the operations uh, uh, team, but we also keep an eye on the financials. So we are helping both the key constituents within the organization, actually three, so financial, operations, and the maintenance, and making sure that their interests are served, which helps the organization to ensure that they, their financial benefits are uh, higher and better compared to uh, just looking at the maintenance or the operation. So those are that's kind of a key uh, area, and from the applications perspective, of course, we revolve around SAP, uh, and then uh, we have several solutions into this space, which include solution for a technician, solution for operations guy to report whenever there are problems, solution for a planner or scheduler to make sure they schedule the work um, on the go, and uh, uh, solution for people who are supposed to look at the maintenance costs and approve and provide approvals wherever they are they needed. So we have kind of a spectrum of uh, applications which help customers to do all this on the go uh, and 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 complement to whatever they might have existing right now. Yeah, what they do really well, I guess they maybe they didn't know this, but they know the the challenger sales model, right? So they yeah. know five four five point four people are going to be involved in the sales process. They got them all covered from the planner down yep. to the a really complex or a comprehensive, shall I say, a solution mix, which is really important because I think that you know Shrikant and what Crave Infotech has done is is really built a solution around holistically of that asset management and in the other avenues that it can tap into. Really nice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, before we wrap things up here, I do want to, first of all, mention if, if you're interested in learning more about Crave, uh, reach out to your Blue Star representative. We'd be happy to connect you uh, with Shrikant and his team to talk a little bit more about how you can go to work with them to yep. present asset management solutions. Uh, and in a moment, we're going to tell you maybe some specific things you can be talking there about to get Absolutely. you there, too. Before we do that, I do want to, as always, thank our sponsors, Elo, Epson, Honeywell, and Zebra. We could not do the show without you. Thank you for your support. Hey, uh, if you uh, like the show and you want us to know that you like the show, I mean, we, we, we like feedback. You know, We, we love feedback. We we need a little bit of, you know, gratification yeah. and, you right. know, and <laughs> acknowledgement that what we're doing is important, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or give us some topics, too. Yeah, uh, yeah that too. Uh, so, first of all, if you listen to us uh, on Apple Podcasts, for instance, leave us a five-star review. We'd love to hear from you what you think about the show. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, 
Uh, hit the like button, leave a comment, subscribe to the channel so you don't miss out on uh, future episodes or anything else that we do on our, our YouTube channel. We're, we're always uploading lots of interesting videos. Uh, and hey, if you, uh, again, yeah, if you want to tell us some topics that you're interested in hearing about, if you have some feedback for us, you want to connect with us, find us on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us, techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, so let's wrap up with our recurring segments. First off, the value of the VAR. Yep. Uh, and in this particular one, I, you know, I, 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 as I hinted earlier, I want to give our VARs kind of some talking points as they're going out there. And if they're figuring out, hey, I'd love to partner with Crave, mm -hmm. but I don't know where to start with my customers. Mm -hmm. So, Shrikant, can you maybe give us some talking points that our VARs could be taking to their customers that maybe they think, um, I'm good with asset management. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> We're fine with it. Meanwhile, they're scrawling stuff on paper, typing one finger at a time into right. Excel spreadsheets or something. <laughs> and we know that they can do better. So what kind of questions should they be asking? What, what should they be paying attention to as they go out and work with their customers to maybe lead them to a, a a strong asset management conversation? No, excellent question. Actually, um, VARs have much, a um, lot of, uh, I'll say, uh, power to influence uh, the customer because they are in touch with them regularly. Uh, they are using hardware for hardware, printer, mobile, uh, tablets, or what, whatever the, uh, and a and, and lot of time, uh, the wars communicate with the business community more than the IT because they have to interact with them very often. I think it will be important to um, talk to them about where they are, right? What's, what are their goals uh, from the asset management? I mean, of course, it starts from the challenges. Sometimes people will come forward and say, you know what, we want to achieve uh, higher digital transformation or higher efficiency and uh, or we 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 uh, want to have something which will help us to track our assets. I mean, there are many. Now we are going one step further. Is it's just not tracking asset is not only about maintaining the maintenance of it, but now we are talking about the barcode enablement, RFID enablement, so that you can even go further and reduce the uh, errors uh, at the source, minimize the errors at the source. So uh, I think wars uh, can talk to the customers about uh, from the asset perspective how they manage assets uh, do they have any digital transformation opportunities and uh, um, where do they think they are and and if there are any opportunities from helping them um, to do better uh, in the asset management for higher ROI I think that will be a good talking talking, talking point for them uh, and understanding more about their asset management strategy. That's like it. it. That's it. Asset yeah. managers are looking to optimize, right? They're they're challenged with optimizing the workflow. So I would walk in with a very very simple question. How's it going with the digitizing of your asset management cycle, right? And 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 just let them and talk. If they stare at you blankly for it, a it, second. Yeah, exactly. You, oh, digitizing? Did. What? Oh, <laughs> we got a long conversation to have. But but in all seriousness, I mean, you know, that'll start probing into where they are in that cycle. Yeah, if they're if they don't understand that, they're still on paper or whatnot. Okay, but but hopefully, you know, there's some move towards that, and right. and then you can start diving in a little bit more on you know periodic review views of, of, of equipment and stuff like that and workflows and trying to customize that all can be had through the dig digitization process. So uh, that's the question that I would ask. 
And yeah, I think yeah. that starts opening up the doors to opportunities yeah. and, and where they may lay. I agree. The other thing I would add there is since we've kind of re- referenced the challenger customer and what yeah. we've learned about B2B buying groups and mm-hmm. how there are a lot of potential influencers or people that might have a say in that you don't maybe realize ahead of time. We've referenced it a few times throughout this that the, oh, yeah. the folks in finance – they're the ones that are probably seeing some of the pain more than anybody else. I mean, the people on the front lines, you know, that deal with these assets and especially have to deal with it if there is an issue with the asset at an inconvenient time. Mm-hmm. But I think, the, you know, maybe if you've got a contact, in, you know, in the boardroom or if you can, if you know the CFO or somebody in the finance department higher up that you can ask them about like, hey, what is it looking like on the books with your assets? Mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. you are you know is those depreciation rates higher than you expected? Are you mm-hmm. are, do you find yourself having to you know spend more money than you expected to on mm-hmm. on maintenance, on replacements, on repairs? What's going on there? Oh, you don't just, have that information. You're not digitizing. Exactly. Yeah, right. that's exactly. So that yeah. could be just one more person that maybe you're not getting in where you think you want to get in. Right. But you've got another person. Maybe There's another question which yeah. can be simpler. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. No. Sure. Yeah. I I missed this one. Uh, is they can ask, what is your spread of percentage of your maintenance between preventive, uh, reactive, and corrective maintenance? That will give you an indication where they are. Mm-hmm. Yep. They should be, uh, ideally, they should be 20% reactive, 40% preventive, and 40% corrective. Uh, if they are off, if their percentage of uh, reactive is higher, that means they need help. Mm. I think that will be that will be the first indication for them to find out what's the percentage spread of their uh, different maintenance processes. There you go. That was a really 20, good 40, split. 40, 40. There, yeah. That's your yeah. takeaway right there. What you don't want is we're all we're all reactive. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Like well, when it breaks, we fix it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> good one. Uh, all right, then. Hey, let's wrap up with uh, what's tech connecting with you. Uh, this is where we talk about something in the world of technology, science, yes. innovation that yes. has caught our eye. Something maybe we're playing with a gadget or something. What's mm-hmm. whatever's kind of got our attention right now? Uh, Shrikant, I'll start with you. What's tech connecting with you right now? Yeah, I think a uh, couple of areas. One is the self-driving vehicle. Uh-huh. I think that's going to be a game changer. Um, of course, it's in one specific industry segment, right? It's going to be game changer. I think it's going to transform how the logistics operate today. Mm. We have so many restrictions, right? Driver can only drive so many hours. You got to take a break. You have many dynamics involved into that. I think driverless... Um, Vehicle try, uh, will change the logistics industry and transporting goods from one place to another. So that's one thing I, I, I think it's a uh, big change. Um, second one is, uh, I think, effective utilization of the blockchain into non-financial area will be another game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be very effectively utilized in... Um, diagnosing healthcare problems. Like if you know where this milk is coming from, when you give it to a little baby into the neonatal ward, you should know what's the characteristics of the milk. I think it will help a lot. Uh, and and there are examples, but unfortunately, uh, blockchain has been a block. Blockchain is blocked because people need to talk to each other. They need to share the information. And people are still not ready a lot of organization thinks that sharing the information is going to take away their IP or create a problem from competitiveness. And I think slowly, slowly it will go away. Uh, but I think these are the two areas 
uh, which will be game changer in in two popular topics on yep. uh, what's tech connecting with you yep. uh, there and certainly blockchain is one of those that continues to get our uh, kind of our interest but and you stole one of mine Shrikant, uh because oh, I, have, I oh yes oh, because well the whole automated vehicle thing is certainly a topic around here right. and John you remember when I asked you just a little while ago would you get in a driverless right. car right. I don't know if you've made it you were on the fence um, right yeah it depends on how far it's going and how it, fast it, it's going it still kind of seems distant right like eh, yeah I'll, I'll deal with it when it gets there right. okay well here's when the it rolls up to right. my house and i don't have a choice we're no. getting really close gm secured key permit for cruise self-driving program with human passengers no backup driver so this is the first time i believe that, that they'll be able to do this it's it's going to be in california uh where they're going to be able to actually start going out on the road with their cruise driverless vehicle and take passengers around so it, you know, my my when we talked about it earlier it was, it was still in china you know right. eh, i'm telling you it's getting closer and closer to shrikan's you know point here man maybe driverless is going to be like a thing in the next five years we might be Hopping in driverless cars and going Maybe. around. It's cer certainly in in you know populations like dense whatever in, in yeah, urban I can areas. Yeah, see it becoming an urban thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's probably a lot of where it'll start. And I could see it for I don't know, like any kind of sprawling area, like I, you know, let's say like a World's Fair type situation uh -huh, uh -huh. or something. You know, where you've got or you know the Olympics is going on right now. Yeah. Imagine how convenient that would be for you know Olympic athletes to be able to just yeah, hop just in a driverless vehicle mm -hmm. and get taken to where right. they're supposed to go. Yeah. You know, I could see that. Although, practicality there. Yeah, yeah. Sure, Khan, I don't know on the logistics side. And I, I remember that trucking company that was just in the, in Which the news? Which that guy just like got, uh, I think he just went to court over that recently because it popped up in the news again. Was recently. that an autonomous vehicle or just an electric vehicle? They it, claimed Or was it, it both? It was, I, th I think it was, well... I know. I think it was electric, it was right? Definitely and so they electric, rolled it but down I feel like there was. I feel like there was some autonomy to it. I think yeah, there, there was, was too. Because, yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, because the, the whole thing was that it looked like it was driving on its own. Yes. And in reality, it was just rolling, rolling down straight a hill. down a hill. Yeah, and they completely <laughs> bamboozled their investors and made millions of dollars off of that. Yeah. So I'm into automated, you know, autonomous vehicles. But then you hear stories like that, and it's like, oh, well, maybe we're not quite as close. But hey, I'm telling you, California Cruise. You might see a, a Chevy Cruise out there or a GM product with no driver. Yeah. So don't be surprised if you see that. So anyway, what's that will be alarming though. The first time Won't you look over and see that there's no driver, aren't you going to be a little alarmed by and that? And it's not the you grandma. You remember what, what you remember what people used to say uh, five years back when we were talking about drones to be used for delivery. Yeah, that's yeah. a good that's point. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. That's it a good is a reality point. now. Yeah. Right? I know. We can resist Amazon all we actually, want, but it'll I believe Amazon, yeah, Amazon got the permit for that in India. Oh, I did they? they have. Yeah. yeah, it's very yeah. important because, especially in highly dense and um, and uh, areas or countries where the traffic is a problem, mm -hmm. yeah. that's the solution. Yeah, that's, that's the, solution. the solution's right. So yeah. it was a distant reality. Maybe you're saying, "Oh no way! What's the drones? <laughs> How's going to happen with the? Uh, there will be so many FA rules and all that." But they are clearing it. They are clearing mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, lots yeah. to come. What's that connecting? It'll be interesting you? to revisit some of these conversations yes. like ten years like down 10 the years. road, and we See? go like, "How dumb were we? We didn't think this was even going to happen at all." <laughs> Uh, all right, here's mine. Um, so this is an interesting article I came across from the Conversation, which I think is a British site. The Conversation, um, yeah. <laughs> nice. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and they were they're basically saying uh, that the, the uh, headline is "Factories of the Future We're Spending Heavily to Give Workers Skills They Won't Need by 2030." <laughs> 
Oh, that's good news. Yeah, and basically, like the gist of the article is like you know this idea that there, there's a lot of investment and time being put into training programs and mm-hmm. like starting at the high school level and post high school of you know getting these people all these skills to go work in warehouses right now and to get them mm-hmm. into these jobs. And yes, that stuff's important, but are we spending too much money and too much time mm-hmm. on training people on? On skills in factories and warehouses and facilities that are not going to be there that will literally no longer even be necessary in even like they said by 2030 in 10 years yeah. that will no longer be necessary because we will all these new in, industry 4.0 uh, and, and robotics really? and all these IIoT mm-hmm. machines all this stuff is going to reshape that dynamic entirely and these people that no, will no longer have to do a lot of these same jobs. Ideally, they'll be That's shifted over to other jobs, you know, yep, other work yep, within yep, the same yep. facility. Right. But again, are, what, should we be putting that much time and investment into that? Or should we just be getting, hey, here's what you need to know right now in order to get started. And we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out as we go, knowing full well that within a, a few years' time, potentially, your your entire job is going to be different than it was before. Really interesting. Yes. We're going to have droves of people that yep. can manufacture Something that doesn't need to be manufactured anymore. Right? I mean, we talk a lot about, and we, we were, I think we were just joking about it before this podcast, about the idea of going to school and getting an education on things that won't matter by the time you're actually in the workforce right. or 10, 15 years down the road. I mean, yep. how many things did you learn about in high school or even in college that are, are complete, now completely irrelevant a lot. to you and your <laughs> life? And not just because it's not what your job is, right, 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 but right. maybe literally is stuff that no longer is even important anymore. Oh, believe you me, I got my kids hammering me daily on this. Like, Dad, when am I ever going to use the Pythagorean theorem? Yeah, I know, I gotcha. But it's still, it's it's right, got your critical right. mind thinking, blah, blah. Well, they've got a good point when you when you say, like, my calculator can do this. Why do I need to do it myself? That's kind I of the same thing Siri. we're saying here. The yeah. robots will be doing this. Why do I need to learn how to All do right. it myself? So we got to pivot on to something else is what you're saying. I, I there. guess so, yeah. There you go. So. Okay. Anyway. All right, that's what's tech connecting with us. Uh, Shrikant Nistane from Crave, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Pleasure with mine. Nice talking to you both. And I hope uh, this helps people uh, and our customers and the wars to help uh, maintaining the assets more effectively and increase their life like uh, lifespan. So thank you very much. There sure. you go. Thank I you. Think so well, then it is time for us to unplug. Until next time, go get your cars fixed. Follow <laughs> some of those guidelines. Come on. <laughs> Digitize your maintenance. Digitize your maintenance. There yeah, you go. There you go. Uh, and until next time, stay connected. Built with versatility in mind, Elo Edge Connect offers a wide assortment of peripheral options for your digital display. Whether for endless aisle, self-order, or collaboration, you can seamlessly attach up to four peripherals to the touchscreen edge with flexibility to add, remove, or change later as needed. Options include barcode scanners, EMV cradle, customer-facing display, webcam, and more. To learn more, visit Elo's microsite on bluestarinc.com or contact your Bluestar account manager. Powerful printing should be easy. And that's what you get from Zebra's newest advanced desktop printers, ZD421 and ZD621. Offering direct thermal and thermal transfer models, these printers build on Zebra's proven and popular past for flexible, secure printing in a variety of industries. Ribbon cartridge, RFID, wireless kit, peeler cutter, full shift battery, touchscreen, these are just some of the features and options available to customize for any need. With a two-year warranty and robust service options to maximize uptime, the new ZD series is designed to last. To learn more, check out the link in the show notes or contact your Blue Star representative.